wait a second, Barry Trotz pulled his goalie with two minutes left in a tie game last night against the Bruins, fully aware that he needed to win in regulation to move from fourth place to third place and avoid the Penguins. Oh my! Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. It's official. The Islanders are the Penguins' opponent in the first round, despite Barry's best efforts. I'm sorry, there's no other way to look at that. I watched Barry Trotz's press conference afterward from afar, fully expecting that this would come up with the Long Island beat crew, and it didn't. I mean, you just watched your team's head coach pull the goalie with two minutes left in a tie game. He has one and only one motive for doing that, and that's to move from fourth place to third place. And your only motive for wanting to go from fourth place to third place is because you would prefer, ideally, to play Washington rather than Pittsburgh. That's a choice. Now, they didn't get what they wanted. The Islanders didn't. They ended up going to overtime, which was the end of that discussion, and they ended up losing in overtime, which didn't matter at all. The only way you could conceivably defend this, if in fact you feel it's something that's, you know, meriting a defense, and I kind of do, is that there's a reseeding along the way and the number of points that you have factors into the seeding. And give me a break. Give me a preemptive break before anything you have to say about this. Barry Trotz was trying everything he could to avoid the Penguins in the first round. That's it. There's no other it. Now, do I blame Barry Trotz for wanting, not necessarily acting upon, but wanting to avoid the Penguins in the first round? No, I don't. I don't. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. Your monthly cable bill costs over 200 bucks in all likelihood. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And the difference is beyond that that our listeners of this podcast get a 7-day free trial and 15% off your first month by going to fubotv.com/dk. No catches, no contracts, cancel anytime. Go to fubotv.com slash dk to get 15% off your first month. I don't blame him. I don't blame him for wanting it. The Penguins are getting healthy. The Penguins continue to play really, really good hockey for the most part. 
for the most part, certainly better than anyone else in the division. And the Penguins, well, they're better than the Capitals. And that's the other part that Barry couldn't say had he been asked about this. The Capitals, in addition to being a slower team than Pittsburgh, uh, are also really banged up. As of the weekend, they were playing without Alexander Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, Evgeny Kuznetsov, John Carlson, and then TJ Oshie went down in the last game. And I'm not even factoring in that Tom Wilson had the knee injury but then came back later in the game. So there's the top two lines, really, for Washington, plus their top defensemen. So the Capitals are are probably, probably the most wounded animal in the division right now. But I don't really care for that angle, so I'm going to go back to the other one because <laughs> that's a lot more fun. Because the Penguins were 6-2 and two against the Islanders in the regular season, and it was an honest 6-2. and two. Yeah, I mean, there were, you know, you know, a three, there was a three-on-three, three, there was a shootout and whatever else here, but the Penguins controlled play against New York in almost every meeting. And when I say that, I'm referencing mostly the Penguins' ability with ease to beat Barry's trap and everything that the Islanders try to do to you between the blue lines. The neutral zone trap, for anyone who's kind of new to hockey, is built upon the premise that your opponent is going to try to make, or you should force them to make, diagonal passes coming up through the neutral zone. And that you, in turn, should be able to eat off all the rest of the lanes, intercept the puck, and attack the other way. The neutral zone trap gets destroyed when there is a player or players who can fly through the zone without making a pass. And the Penguins are loaded with those guys. If you go back and re-watch the video of all eight meetings, and I'll be doing that this week myself, you will see that Mike Matheson had some of his most dominant performances. Why? Because the Islanders back way off the moment they lose possession. And they actually allow you to come out of your own zone. It's just a free ride. Well, for a player like Matheson or a Brian Rust or a Kasperi Kapanen or Brandon Tanev, if you give them the momentum, if you give them the ice, they will take it. And you have one of two choices from them. One is to try in vain to keep up with them, and you won't. Two, take them down. In which case, you at least should be penalized. This has not worked out well for the Islanders. The Penguins have created much more offense than even the final outcomes of those games will suggest. They've done very, very well against this opponent. And that was before this opponent really started to kind of fall flat. The Islanders finished up in a 12-11-3 blah rut 
that's not any kind of playoff surge. Last week alone, they lost back-to-back to the Sabres and then two days later lost to the Devils. There's no momentum that's been built there. There can't be much of a sense of confidence. And yeah, a lot of them, including Trotz himself, said a lot of the, the right things last night. Here's a little bit of Barry. Well, I think, uh, you know, systematically, I don't think there's a lot of change. And obviously, we haven't been, been paying a, a lot of attention to them, just trying to go forward here. But um, we'll look at that. But I, I would think that with Sully and the Penguins, they're not going to change their style a whole lot. They're, they, they, they're, they got a real good forward group. Uh, their defense are, are mobile. Um, they got two inexperienced goaltenders. Uh, and they play a real good team game. Um, they're not afraid to, to put it north and, and forecheck. Uh, they play a 200-foot game. So, you know, a lot of things that we'll have to do. It'll, it'll be a, a, a you know, little bit of a fight for inches here. But if you hear that, if you hear his tone, you can tell that there's almost a, a sense of we're looking at the playoffs as redemption or we're looking at the playoffs as a, as a chance to kind of undo some of the bad things that have happened of late. That's never a good way to go into a postseason. The fact is, the Islanders' season was wrecked, the regular season, whenever Anders Lee went down. Anders Lee, too much is made of him, actually, of his hockey capabilities. Good player. Really good player. He's not a star. But when Lee went down, he's also their captain. And a lot of what the Islanders have achieved going back a couple of years ago when they overwhelmed the Penguins in the first round, and then last year in the bubble when they reached the Eastern Conference Final and were a game opponent for the Lightning, the eventual champion, a lot of that was built on that whole chemistry, camaraderie, best first, best four, sorry, best fourth line in hockey. Uh, with Casey Zizekas, Cal Clutterbuck, Matt Martin, and all that Islanderish stuff that was that pack mentality and everything. And with Lee went down, coincidence or not, that changed. And that hasn't been there. And Lou Lamorello going and getting Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the Devils hasn't resulted in much. If anything, look at the additions that have been made by other East Division teams with the Bruins getting Taylor Hall after he quit in Buffalo and decided he felt like playing again in Boston. Hall's added something to the Bruins. They now have a second line. David Krejci finally has some help. The Penguins, of course, went out and got Jeff Carter. We all know how that's worked out. The Islanders got nothing, you know? These guys haven't made a difference, these two. So there isn't there isn't much there there. Does that mean the Penguins are going to cakewalk them? No. Does it mean they're going to sweep them? I don't see that either. Are the Penguins going to beat them? Sure. Sure they are. I think it's going to be in five. I don't think it's going to be a complicated series. I don't think it's going to be a controversial series. I think it might actually end up being a little bit quiet. If this New York team 
was going to show that they were going to compete and contend the way they did the last couple of years. You don't do that by snapping your fingers in the three or four games between the regular season and the playoffs. You know, I, I saw one of the New York players, Matt Barzell, their best player, saying last night that, you know, he's hoping that they can really get things whipped into shape with these practices. Oh, I'm sorry, man. That's not where the train picks people up. You know, that station came a lot sooner than that in the process. I can't remember any team going into the Stanley Cup playoffs this cold and then just all of a sudden waking up. Again, I'm not sitting here looking to predict or jinx if you're into the fourth grade mentality on this kind of stuff or whatever. I'm just sharing with you what I see here, and what I see here is a mismatch and a misalignment of momentum. When we come back, just one question. back it's time for just one question and that's brought to you on this program always by the greater pittsburgh community food bank where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western pennsylvania find out how you can help find out how one dollar is all it takes to produce and deliver five full meals one dollar five meals go to pittsburghfoodbank.org and spell all those words out, pittsburghfoodbank.org. The question comes from Ronald Davis, who says, Hey, DK, if the PK continues to struggle into the playoffs, do you think Mike Vellucci gets replaced next year, being that he was handpicked by Jim Rutherford? Ronald, I wish you had elaborated on your concerns about the PK because I haven't had any for quite some time. I've been happy with the alignments, the positioning, the necessary aggressiveness. Uh, And if it sounds like I'm hesitating when I say that, it's because my preference on PK is always to do what the Flyers do. Uh, I love seeing forwards go right at the puck. I love seeing them constantly force the team that's on the power play to turn its back to the inside of the rink. I wish the Penguins would do that all the time. They've done it over the years in spurts, never all that consistently. And, I mean, they're okay at it. They have a different criteria, let's put it that way, than Philadelphia does. They look for different signs at which to go, to go at the person with the puck, especially when you're talking about uh, the point men or the the people on the flanks. But I I haven't had a problem with the PK. I I really haven't. I, I haven't had one with the forwards. I think it's been a good group that's been missing Brandon Tanev for a while and was missing Teddy Bluger for a while before that, and those are one and two 
on that particular hierarchy. So maybe you saw something there that you didn't like when one or both was out. I think Colton Sevier has been a decent killer. I don't know that he's going to play in game one, but if he does, he's a decent killer. Freddie Goodrow's been okay at that. Not great, but certainly uh, a shorthanded threat. And his five-on-five play, not that that's as important as his penalty killing for a you know, for a third or fourth liner, but his his merited the ice time that he's gotten and the lineup spot that I believe that he's earned for game one. It's it's not a bad group up front. You know, Brian Rust is out there still, you know, as prevalent as he's become uh, for this franchise. He's still out there killing and blocking shots. On the back end... There have been some different pairings at times, things that you don't necessarily expect. Chris Letang is out there in different situations with people other than Brian Dumoulin. Uh, Cody Cece's paired with different people. But the defensemen have gotten the job done. Mostly Letang. Letang's been really, really good shorthanded. I know he only ever gets discussed whenever he makes a mistake. The guy's been really, really good at four on five. What we're talking about here, Ronald, if we're getting into whatever constitutes a trend for the Penguins' penalty killing, as I've seen it from day one of this season, is goaltending. You hear coaches at every level say that your most important penalty killer is your goaltender. And, you know, that's actually true. So when we've seen Tristan Jari and or Casey DeSmith not at their best, we've seen power play goals against. But I haven't seen it come as a result of something that the penalty killers aren't doing or some great golden chances that they're giving up. I've really looked at that both for better and for worse, as a goaltending thing. When the Penguins' PK numbers started going way back up after the slow start, so did the high-danger save percentage of both Jari and Smith. The same number of chances were being created by the other guys. It's just that saves were being made. I'm not in a position to judge the work of Vellucci, especially with having no locker room access still. Those are the kinds of things you find out by going and having behind-the-scenes conversations, off-the-record conversations. How's this guy been? What are you learning from him? You can't do any of that stuff over these formal Zoom calls that everybody's on. It's just not the same thing. So I'm not in a great position. You'll never see me, I hope, try to play expert on things that I don't know. I have no idea what kind of job this guy's done other than what we're seeing with our own eyeballs and, of course, the data. And actually, I think he's done okay in that regard. So, no, I I don't get any sense that there's throw this guy out or throw that guy out because they were acquired by Jim Rutherford. Heck, Ronald, if you're taking that approach, if you were Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, you would have done a heck of a lot more with this roster than what they've done to date, right? They basically just... As Burke said recently, they've inherited a good team and they kind of left it alone. They went out and got Jeff Carter. That was it. So I don't see any of that 
taking place here. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. And, you know, we'll do another one of these tomorrow. Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.